0: Hello soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, welcome to Magic City Soccer, a Dade Brigade podcast. This is of course your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Uh, As usual, we're now settling in a bit here, and so I can say we have our usual uh, co-host here. Uh, First off, let's say hello to Drew Hausman. Drew, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great. Uh, I would like to point out the fact that Miami FC is still undefeated since we created that podcast, so uh, give credit where credit's due, clearly to us.
0: Yeah, I think that's really the, uh, the the driving factor. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, the team has gone from a, a cellar dweller to uh, charging towards the top of the table. Uh, and I think it goes completely to our credit. Uh, and, of course, Omar Mubayad with us. Omar, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing good. I think you're still blaming me for last week because uh, you're coming to me second again. That's not very nice. <laughs> I don't like to come in second. But, no, absolutely. Miami FC gets another three points last week. That was fantastic. Uh, the women's team, USA women's team, wins their group in the Olympics. And uh, let's see, what else happened to Miami soccer? Oh, that's right. The strikers are not very good. Let's keep moving.
0: Oh, boy. So um, we will be talking about the Olympics, uh, the Olymp- specifically the Olympic soccer competition, uh, in a little bit. Uh, some some local connections there, obviously. And, of course, it's just soccer. Um, but the big news, and I feel like I've said that every time we've uh, started, the big news is another Miami FC victory. How about that, fellas?
1: That's right. Uh, we de- wow. we destroyed Minnesota. It Good was, timing. Like, Rousing
0: silence for that
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that
0: that celebration. Okay, let's try it again. How about that victory, fellas?
1: Woo!
0: <laughs> pots and pants, pots and pants, pots and pants. Um, yeah, I mean, I, we were talking last week about Uh, what Miami FC should try to be focusing on and what they could possibly do and how maybe if they go into Minnesota and eke out a win, it could really set the tone for the the fall season. And then, what do you know? They go on and blow the joint down. Uh, I will quote from myself, uh, they beat Minnesota United so badly, the team was forced to leave the league and change its name. uh, (laughs) As they are apparently bailing, well, as it was kind of known they were leaving NASL, but... Uh, they announced it, and it appears they're changing their name. So I, I think we can give Miami Miami FC some credit for that. Drew, what did you see from that game?
1: Uh, that game was amazing. Once again, we came in hard. Uh, we scored very early, and from there on, the goals just kept pouring in. To go up 3-0 before the half was something that, you know, obviously we've never seen before, but it was an amazing game. Exciting to watch. Uh, hashtag blame it on the jelly, Minnesota.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's blaming on the peanut butter and jelly when you let it in four. Uh, Omar, <laughs> what would you take away from it? I
2: think it was a good game. I saw the lineup when it came out, and I think I I quickly put in the chat that we're all in and said, oh, this looks like a counterattacking 11. <laughs> I don't know about counterattacking, but this was definitely an attacking 11. Um, Johnny Steele led the way, put the first one back of the net against his old team. Uh, Minnesota United no longer, when they go to the MLS, they will be called Minnesota FC. And that's because Atlanta Falcons owner and Atlanta United owner asked our commissioner with, uh, well, not our commissioner, MLS commissioner with a beautiful bald head of his, that there can only be one United coming into the league at the same time, and it better be Atlanta. Um, But yeah, so we beat them so hard. They changed their names. Uh, We beat them so hard. Their Twitter followers had their panties in a bunch. And, uh, yeah, 4-0, man. Pretty good. Pretty solid. Let's go and uh, break down the game a little bit.
0: Yeah, it was real salty on the Twitters uh, over the weekend, emanating from the land of 10,000 lakes and very uh, displeased Minnesotans. Um, but, yeah, let's uh, let's go into the game a little more uh, in detail. As you guys really highlighted, it was from, from the jump, uh, Miami FC domination, and, and I, I think to to a degree that we have not really seen from this team before the, the 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 early scoring we have seen but we've sometimes commented on this podcast and before this podcast that the the team can sometimes struggle to set a tone for 90 minutes if they get that early goal it is more often followed by a goal from the opposing team but there's never really a, any even flow it does there's no it, there's no just put the pedal to the metal and go uh and the fact that this was a road game in Minnesota in front of a, a crowd of 9,000, uh, 9,000 plus I think was the announced number, uh, and they just they up and went and left a good Minnesota United team in the dust. That's really saying something. It's it's quite an impressive game. I, I can't think of anything else they really could have done to impress uh, the Miami FC faithful.
2: And it was interesting because we saw two big names be left off the squad entirely, not even on the bench. Um, obviously... Mike LaHood was not, in the, was not dressed for the game, and Jaime Chavez was also not dressed for the game. And coming off a good performance last week as well, it almost seemed kind of surprising not to see those guys even anywhere near, the, not even on the bench, I should say. Um, so Miami decided to play what essentially was a 4-5-1 with Darius Svitnovich at the top. Um, and definitely, Ariel Martinez acting as a striker up top. And, and we saw a lot of good connections between the two early on. Um, we noticed real quick, as I mentioned earlier, I thought this was going to be a counterattacking 11. It was definitely an attacking 11. Probably more attacking than I have ever seen this team play. And that's coming off a great stretch of the last five games played, where they've earned at least a point in every game and definitely walked away with a couple wins. You don't walk into Minnesota. And, uh, and definitely steal points away. And to take all three is fantastic. They had a huge crowd as normal. Um, and as we referenced last week, it was going to be a tough place to play. I think all of us said, as long as you get a draw out of here, we're going to be fine. To get the three points, though,
1: completely sweet. Exactly. And to get us three points off a of 4-0 victory made it even sweeter. Uh, I think we just inherited uh, 9,000 more haters. <laughs> um, as you said, I, I know... Chavez and uh, LaHood, I believe one got a concussion during training and the other got a knee injury, but uh, both should be playing in the uh, FL Classico, but it's great to see how diverse our team is now where two of our major stars, well three including uh, Ryan, can be on the bench and we can still just dominate an a upper tier NASL team like that.
0: Yeah, that's really something that I think is worth noting. Uh, you know, when uh, a couple, couple weeks or a couple months, however you want to view it, at this point, because the the existence of the team hasn't been so long that you talk about it in longer stretches. But when Richie Ryan was acquired, and people were talking about this team, uh, it was really discussed in a way of desperation that Miami FC has got to do something to try to get the gears clicking, try to get something positive. And to have come from that point to this point where Ryan is injured, can't play, what are you going to do, yet there are now multiple names that you can pull to. And, and you know, take, take out Ryan and take out LaHood. And Michael didn't play. Um, it, it's a testament to me a couple of things. First off, uh, the front office is, has done a good job recalibrating. That includes... Uh, the manager, Alessandro Nesta, has done a really good job of, of tweaking and playing with the the talent available and bringing in new talent. Poku has been, a, you know, you can't really say he's been a revelation. He's a very good player, and he has continued to be a superior NASL player in his time here. <clears throat> the second thing uh, that I take away from all this now uh, is that not only has that new talent come in and really helped the team move forward... Existing players have gelled, and I don't want to say like, oh, they've you know they've you know the new talent's motivated and whatever. Maybe that's it. I don't know, and I don't care. All I know is that these guys, even though they had preseason training and whatever you want, it's a brand new team, entirely brand new, and that goes to the players, the front office, everything. Everything was new, so they needed time to set. and And I think that's you know on our part as well as fans, as supporters. When we're when back a couple of months back, we're like, oh, what are they doing? This team is can't figure out, you know, can't figure their way out of a paper bag. They can't do anything right. Well, shocker, they're new. And sometimes new teams come out of the gate strong as new franchises, of course. But they were new, and they were kind of clunky. And it's okay to admit that. They stunk for a bit. But I think seeing this team now, you start to see why... Uh, You know, Alessandro Nesta was committed to certain players playing when we were like, oh, why are they there? Why he was so committed to the idea of of really raising the level of the team's fitness. Um, And even when they won a game in the spring season, he wasn't necessarily happy with it because of the type of performance. I think now we're seeing the type of performance that he maybe wanted to see a couple of months back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think we're in a situation here where we're noticing who stuck out or who caught Alessandro Nesta's eye from the spring season and who definitely did not. Um, we noticed that Ed Elton in the spring season maybe didn't, or was maybe playing above, uh, kind of below his, uh, above, at below, I can't speak today, I'm sorry. But he was definitely <laughs> playing at the level necessary to have a starting job. And we haven't seen that Elton very much in the fall season so far. Uh, we've seen a definite improvement in the back four. Of course, that comes with the acquisition of Farfan, it comes with... You know, Bernstein's improved play. Um, You know what? Across the board, I think this team has gotten a lot better. I think we've seen something, as you mentioned just earlier, that the team is starting to gel. It does take time. This is a new team. But keep in mind something. Even with the newer acquisitions, this is not a team where – or it is not a team that had uh, friendlies or that had any exhibition matches during that awkward time between the spring season and the fall season. Other teams around the country have had friendlies. Other teams around the country – have played European clubs. This team didn't play anybody. This team stayed home, probably practiced in-house, and the results are paying off. You're seeing it happen in game situations. You're seeing the connections come about, and you're seeing the team play at a level that, you know what, quite frankly, you asked me two or three months ago, I don't think they could have achieved.
1: Also, I think it was one of those uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, you get a goal, you get a goal, you get a goal, you get a goal situations because... uh, a player that we haven't seen too much of. Everybody was, uh, gets Aaron. a goal. Everybody gets a goal. Check under your seat. Uh, Aaron Dennis, <laughs> I believe, got the the last goal of the match. He did
0: indeed. He did indeed. And
1: uh, So, I don't know. I think we need to make some kind of Netflix uh, Stranger Things connection with Aaron Dennis being number 11 and that little freaky kid being number 11. Uh, but that was great <laughs> to see a guy come fresh off the bench, you know, without much playing time and put one in the back of the net.
2: Absolutely. And you know what? something that I didn't notice until I pulled the stat sheet before prepping for this show? Jonathan Barajo had three assists. Jonathan Barajo was pretty much involved in every goal last uh, on Saturday, with the exception, if I'm not mistaken, of the third goal. He was just everywhere. Sorry, the second goal. He was everywhere. And it's funny, on that on that third goal by Poku, also credits Vitnovich because he played an excellent dummy. He made a step towards the ball and then quickly turned around and ran the other way and just opened the field for Poku, just literally to walk right into the technical area, pull a quick step over on the goalie and just put the ball in the back of the net. He could have walked it in and hit it with his head on the floor. could have done whatever thing. He took the classy <laughs> step. He just buried it in the back of the net after beating the goalie. We were up 3-0. Life was good.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it was a total, I mean, like you said, looking at the, the general stats here, Miami MC dominated in possession, 55-45, um, pretty much even on some of the defensive stats, um, had a, 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 a very good number, you know, a, a same number of shots as Minnesota United. Um, the accuracy was there, 85.7% of shots were on target. Um, it, yeah, there's nothing, you know, we have, we have come to this podcast before, and, and we as three supporters of this team have talked about games before, and you say, well... They won, but they didn't really deserve it. Or they drew, but maybe they deserved to lose. And and no, this was... They won 4-0, and they deserved to win 4-0. It's as simple as that. And uh, it's good to see, and we are really looking at uh, a set of results here. I know I kind of mentioned this um, last week, but draw on the road against Fort Lauderdale. It's a rivalry game. Tough loss against New York after losing 4-0. Win against Armada draw at Carolina, tough place to play, win against the spring season champions, and now win against Minnesota United on the road. Um, that's, that's, that's a resume that you can't argue against. That's about as good as you could possibly expect uh, out of this team, especially considering where they were after the spring season.
2: Yeah, let's not make any excuses. The game against the Cosmos we lost by one goal was a heartbreaker. Definitely a heartbreaker. We should have walked out of there with at least a point which would have put us at 12 in the standings. So Miami FC has had a definite opportunity to walk away with each game with at least a point in hand. And they've never looked in any of the games, with the exception of the last five minutes of the Cosmos game, that they have been the lesser side. Um, it's very interesting and important to note that in this game as well, you know what, we talk about them every week. Daniel Vega, six saves, six quality saves. We're not saying that Minnesota United just you know rolled over and went under the couch and died. They definitely played a full game. They definitely challenged Daniel Vega, but he was up to the task
1: yet again. There were a couple tears from a uh, CR twenty one, but hey, man, that was Vega's fifth shutout of the of the year. So that's pretty impressive on the NESL side.
0: Yeah, I mean he has been he has been the wall. He has been a wall. Uh, you know. It, i'd reference it
1: means missing come on
0: <laughs> no he has been l- l- yeah okay whatever i'm not gonna reword it he's been great um he's been really 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 good and consistent uh there there hasn't really been a game even in oh hello who's joining us on the podcast <laughs> um even in games in which uh you know miami fc are losing by two or three goals uh you can point you were you were pointing at other people and saying "Oh the defense the back line really didn't do a job or the midfielders weren't holding and and Vega was doing as much as he could um and and now it's really great to see the back line is kind of coming into form a bit, and the attack is stepping up and now Vega is making the calls um, I'm sorry making the plays um however, you know he he doesn't have to do it alone,
2: yeah, he definitely doesn't have to do it alone. We've had increased, increased uh, ability and increased technical ability within the back four. The back four played fantastic. I also think it's a bit of a, a bit of, uh, of a coincidence that you know what we're seeing continuity in the back four. I think in the spring season we saw a lot of times where our players were being mixed and matched in the back four, we, and Nesta didn't really know who we wanted back there. But guess what? We're seeing a solid back four. I don't think the back four has made much of a substitution. I think. Uh, we've seen definite w- better awareness, better um, spacing, better ability to determine where they are on the field and where the next, and where to play that next ball out to. So it's been fantastic. It's been a definite surprise. It's been nice to see. It's a bit of a relief as a supporter because you're not worried anymore once that ball hits, you know, the attacking third for the other team. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely a relief. It's gotta be a good side relief for Vega. To make sure that he knows that the four guys in front of him are definitely going to be working as one unit to keep shots away from the net.
0: Especially considering Vega's, we all know Vega's background as, as one of the great defenders in European football. Um, we often joked about how he must have been gnashing his teeth watching the spring season knowing that he, he, he must have wanted to throw on a jersey and hop in there himself uh, sometimes considering there was so much uncertainty at the back. And now you can start to see some of the influence that maybe he and the rest of the coaching staff is having on the back line. And that, like you said, Omar, that stability is it's paying off in spades.
2: Absolutely. And I think it's interesting to note as well that Miami uh, went on the road, took care of business in front of a hostile, full crowd that was definitely getting a lot emptier as they started reaching the latter phases of the game. Minnesota, uh, Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes, man. Pack up your stuff and go home. Get away from us on Twitter and Reddit. It's not worth it. Save your breath. You got spanked. Move on. Take the loss like men. Recoup for your next game. Be happy you're getting the call up to MLS. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's one game. You lost to us, though. You lost to the eventual fall season champs. You're hearing it here first. That's right. He called it. He owns that tape. (laughs)
0: I do want to comment on uh, one particular fan interaction that I really enjoyed um, on Twitter. Uh, There were a a number of Minnesota United fans who seemed to communicate their dissatisfaction towards former Minnesota United player and current Miami FC player Johnny Steele. Oh. (laughs) I have to reference this, Drew. It's one of the best things I've seen in a while. Uh, So it was towards the end of the game because you could see the score on the scoreboard. It 4-0. Miami had scored 4. And a number of them are letting uh, uh, Johnny know that he scored exactly one goal in uh, the game that night. And they're using, in a curious way, their middle finger to indicate that. Who knows why? I don't know. Uh, but so they, uh, uh, one particular fan uh, on Twitter, at JohnnySteel22, uh, replied to Johnny with that picture of those fans with those middle fingers. Uh, but curiously, they did not think to take the scoreboard out of the back of the picture. And of course, Johnny Steele, <laughs> set up like an Olympic volleyballer with the kill opportunity, replies, that scoreboard looks great. What does that say? Uh, one of the best Twitter burns I've seen in a good long while.
1: That scorches. Uh, yeah, it was great, too, because after Steele scored that goal, I think he kind of helped boost our team and really got them into a competitive rivalry because... After he scored the goal, whether it be off a deflection or not, he he went over kind of and aimed it, you know, started talking uh, smack to the Minnesota bench. And uh, I believe it, it's very hard to see, but uh, supposedly Ariel Martinez flipped off the Minnesota bench after he scored. Uh, from the highlights in the game cast, it's hard to see. It definitely looks like he went up with the uh, classic middle finger, but from uh, the tears of the Minnesota fans, that's. That's what I'm hearing on Twitter. Is also Martinez flipped them off. So it kind of sound like uh, our our hate for Minnesota started gelling early, and it just helped move the team on. So uh, thanks, guys.
2: And hey, let's not pretend either that Minnesota players probably weren't chirping at Johnny Steele throughout the game. I mean, let, let's let's not put it past them. Um, I'm pretty sure Johnny Steele didn't take the first shot at them. He probably took a couple bullets his way first, and then decided to uh, aim the bazooka, the day brigade tank right at the Minnesota bench after the goal. Uh, beautiful goal, by the way. But yeah, Minnesota fans, you know, if your argument is going to be, oh, we're going to MLS next season, it doesn't matter. And you know what, guys? Just shut up. Just shut up. You're going to MLS next season. Good for you guys. And you're changing your name. And guess what? You have to wear generic jerseys because it's too late in the game. And now you guys can't have a logo on your crest and it's going to be a very generic logo. You know what, guys? Good job. You're going to MLS. You're going to go in MLS and you're going to be a bottom feeder. And by the way, half of your club Might not even make the MLS squad as we saw with Orlando City two seasons ago. So, guys, you know what? Good for you. Ha, ha, ha. Laugh it up. It's fine. Take shots at Miami FC. Say what it is what you want. You guys are going to be cellar dwellers next year. And even Houston
1: is going to be better than you.
0: Omar with the fire. Omar is taking a flamethrower to We're the new
1: Cosmos, baby. We're the new Cosmos. (laughs) Love the hate. Love the hate.
0: Oh, man. So uh, let's take a look and see where the team stands as of right now. Uh, When you look at the fall season standings, Miami FC is currently fifth uh, level with Minnesota United, though ahead, uh, obviously the head-to-head victory. However, the important factor to take into play uh, to consider here, Miami FC have played six games. No one in front of them in the top five have played six. They've either played seven or... Or 8. FC Edmonton have played 7. And that's really an interesting story that I'd like to dive into, too, uh, perhaps next week because I don't feel like I'm fully prepared to talk about it. But FC Edmonton are doing a really uh, impressive job under the radar. Uh, Ahead of Miami FC, you've got Ryo OKC. We will talk about them momentarily. You've got the New York Cosmos. uh, And then at the top of the table, the team that we've defeated, Indy 11. Uh, As Omar has pointed out in his uh, quest to lead the charge towards the top of the table, my FC are in a position, where when we talk about this team in three weeks, we could be talking about a team towards the top of the table. They are really well positioned.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and we mentioned it last week, and we did say right away, um, you know, this is a team that if they win this week, if they walk away with three points, they're no longer a team in the mix. They're no longer a team in the hunt. They're a team that is a definite contender at the top of the table they're no longer that second tier group we're no longer talking about what ifs or maybes or it would be nice if we're talking about a team that's serious and we need to take them seriously right now miami fc i guess we're going to jump to the strikers game in just a second in three weeks though i think that's a definite indication what matt just said miami fc after the strikers game we're not looking over the game but just want to look at the schedule real quick they've got the dreaded three games in seven days schedule okay we've got rio kc right after the Then we've got Ottawa Fury midweek in the middle of Canada. Not sure still if that's in Quebec or in Ontario. Somebody from Ottawa call in, let us know. And then the last game of the three games in seven days grind definitely is Miami again against Minnesota United at home, baby. So um, we'd love to go ahead and uh, double up, walk away with eight oh in between two games there. Um but, yeah, let's go ahead and jump to the Strikers game and let's see what's going to happen tomorrow next week. Not tomorrow, next week. <laughs> Getting ahead of myself. I'm anxious. I want that game to come around already.
0: You know, maybe people are listening on Friday and they, they it'll be a good reference point for them, Omar. Uh, yeah, let's talk about the FL Classico, <laughs> the new rivalry in South Florida that is now having its third game but its first game in Miami-Dade County. Miami FC will host the Fort Lauderdale Strikers at FIU Stadium this Saturday, August 13th at 8 p.m., Uh, It is a game that Miami FC themselves have been pushing. It is a game that our group day brigade has been pushing heavily. It is a game that has been circled on the calendar ever since the calendar was released. Uh,
1: finally, this has happened. Uh, As you know, I am a reformed strikers fan, but from Miami Dade County, uh, Miami specifically, Uh, I, I, Right off the bat from the beginning of this year, I thought the league schedule was shit that we played our very first game away in Lockhart. I feel like that was a donation to the Fort Lauderdale Strikers and then to play them a second time in the beginning of the uh, uh, fall season away to play them again away. And finally we get our chance to play the proper game we need to play. Miami versus Fort Lauderdale strikers at home, and what a better time to play it because we are undefeated in our last four games. We've jumped to fifth place in the NASL fall season standings. We are averaging 2.4 goals per game in the fall season, where the strikers have only won one game this fall season and they have under a goal per game. Horrible. <laughs> The Strikers gave up nine goals against them in the fall season, and now PC is out of the mix. They transferred him to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. In our last two matches matches against the Strikers away, they came down to PKs, or, well, we got both our goals off PKs, off Dario, and Drew them both, but welcome to the turf that Indy hates. Miami, bitch.
0: (laughs) I I, I do want to say, Drew, I know we've talked about this before, but the my nfc should have opened at home terrible against, schedule against the strikers however i'll i'll let that slide okay whatever i i have a i i think you are 100% correct drew but whatever let's put that to the side the real kick to the shorts for me was also scheduling the fall season opener in fort lauderdale to me that's almost more mind boggling because you should expect reciprocation. You should expect, all right, well, there'll be one here and there'll be one there. We have two openers, and they're going to play both these openers, and then we'll switch. No. I To me, that's the one that really, really grinded my gears. And the fact that Miami have gone into Fort Lauderdale twice now, into former NASL venue, Lockhart Stadium, and taken two points, especially when we saw that the team was so unstable. I think, again, I'm going to knock on wood and cross my fingers and do all the things I have to do to not jinx, but I think it's a good omen for what we may see Saturday night. I think Miami FC, as you mentioned, Drew, they, it is the right place and the right time, both in terms of where Miami is and where Fort Lauderdale is, both on and off the field. There's there's a bit of a, a, a panic, uh, a bit of uh, chaos, and right now the, the picking is ripe for Miami FC to really demonstrate South Florida superiority, uh, and that that'll be a really big deal. That's a it, it is bigger than you can even expect for it to just be one game against a regional rival. You know, Tampa Bay Fort Lauderdale always a big game. that's a rivalry, but now is a real opportunity for Miami FC to change the conversation about South Florida, and I think Miami FC better be ready to take that bull by the horns and 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 go with as much force as they did against Minnesota last Saturday. Omar, what do you think, pal?
2: I think the same I think the same along the same lines as you. Uh, it would be a perfect scenario for Miami FC to come out again and, you know, walk in three 0 of the half. Do I expect that to happen? No, I don't. Uh, those are usually anomalies in a season and not something that we can consider the standard or even standard deviation per se. But what I would go ahead and say is this this game has implications uh beyond South Florida. Obviously it has implications for the Coastal Cup, which we are still in the running for. Everybody's just about even But at the same time, this is the game, absolutely, as the two guys in front of me have just said, is the game that we've circled in the calendar all year. This might be the game, the only game, that I can think of in the calendar that I said, I ain't missing this game, it doesn't matter what's going on here, Um, I'm going to be at that ballgame. The reason is the the following. I think um, Bill Peterson got it wrong uh, when he allowed for Lauderdale to host two season openers at Lockhart against Miami FC. We're talking about a team, the Florida Strikers have been in the NSA now for multiple years, we're talking about a new expansion side in Miami FC. From a business standpoint, it doesn't make sense. You need the expansion side to host that game, especially when it's going to be a classic or especially when it's going to be a derby, because it's a new side, right? And now here we are, you know, game six in the, game six? Yeah, game six in, or game seven, I should say, sorry, in the fall season with the whole spring season gone. And now we're getting our shot to host the cross-town rivals or the cross-county rivals, whatever you want to call it. I think it's going to be a great game. I think this is one of those games where going off and piggybacking off the momentum that Miami FC has, I think we should expect to see no more, no less than 10,000 people in the stands. I think the uh, brigade is going to be loud and energized. We have been pushing the game as hard as possible. Um, I think we're going to have a strong contingent from Flight 19 for those of them who are still in existence um and i would like to see this game end with three points for Miami FC.
0: Yeah, i think this is i think it's even more than the three points to be honest with you. And i know we're talking about framing the the fall season and and that's obviously priority one. Is what is, what competition are you in right now and what are you fighting for? I will say though i think especially when you bring in the additional context of where the strikers are right now, and considering that basically for 40 years, yeah, about 40 years, the drumbeat in South Florida has been among the quote-unquote soccer people that Fort Lauderdale and Broward are where professional soccer needs to be, considering where that franchise is now and where Miami FC could possibly go, I think there are stakes on the table that are are much bigger than even the result of one local uh, rivalry, one local derby. I think that that a real balance of power, and again, we're talking about a pendulum that has swung 40 years in one direction. Uh, I think there is really the chance for this game to start swinging that pendulum back in the other direction. I think it's going to be very interesting... Obviously, the game Saturday is going to be very interesting, but I think the after-effects of the game will be very interesting as well.
2: And I think this could be a trap game for Miami FC. I think this is a game where we're walking in uh, with our heads held high. We've walked away with points in all games but one, and here come the lowly for a strikers, bottom of the table, four points, haven't been able to put multiple games together, haven't been able to put good appearances at all together. This is a trap game. They're going to come out motivated, I think, for all the reasons you stated above, I think the the front office and the ownership are not very friendly with Miami FC's front office and ownership. And again that might be an assertion that has no credibility, but I, I would like to read between the lines the way things have gone for the last, you know, five months or so since we started the NASL campaign. So that being said, uh absolutely I, I think for me more so I would like to get the three points here. Even more of a reason is because we're gonna embark on that three games and se- I'm sorry, three games in seven days campaign. And we want to make sure you go in with your heads held high. You're going to be traveling on the road. You're going to be logging a lot of miles as a team. We want to make sure that you defend the home turf, walk away at the three points, make sure that you leave the game knowing you are the better team by far, and then moving forward and making sure that we get business done the week after.
1: Yeah. yeah and, uh, go ahead, uh, Go ahead. No, I was just going to make fun of them and just say how Broward wants to be like Miami. Because, awkward transition, we signed Vincenzo Ranella. Yeah,
0: there he is.
1: Yeah, there we go. And today Uh they signed... Drew, before
0: you continue, let's pause for a moment to uh, let people know exactly how you should pronounce the name Vincenzo.
1: I thought I did a good job of it.
0: No, you did a great job, but we have our (laughs) reference point here, we have our benchmark, we want to let people know exactly how you pronounce it. Okay, so listen up, here's your chance to practice before he puts on a jersey, and go. Okay, so
1: there you go, Vincenzo
2: Grene. There
0: you go. Rinella. Practice before Saturday, Drew. You were saying.
1: Well, no. Now, and the Strikers signed a, a Syria A veteran. Uh, um. Oh shit! This name, I think a I Maori. need a pronunciation for it. To, a yeah. Maori. Um, a Maori, but he used to play for uh, Juventus. A lot, of, you know. We signed an Italian striker that born in France, and they signed a uh, Italian striker born in Brazil. I, I think it's just a typical Miami-Dade, Broward uh, rivalry. You know, we, we do something cool and they want to be like us. They're a little bit slower. Uh, they don't make payrolls often, but I think, I think we'll crush them this weekend.
0: Yeah. I, I think something that, that is worth noting too is the loss of PC. Uh, I know that was mentioned earlier, but he, he was a tremendous contributor to that team over the last couple seasons. Um, well, how do you think Fort Lauderdale bounces back? How do you think Fort Lauderdale adjusts to to adjusts to that loss?
1: I I don't think they figured out a way yet because uh, originally that that story came out and then he didn't get transferred and then he played in the next game and then against Tampa when they played Tampa he didn't you know he got transferred the game before but. I don't think they know what to do because he's been such a veteran presence on that team, you know. Clearly from two years ago, that whole entire roster has been scrubbed in Fort Lauderdale and changed so much, and he was one of the the new guys coming in that kind of everybody looked looked up to and was kind of the, the leader of the team, and he was, you know, the hero of the U.S. Open Cup, and to dump him off to a rival, you know, it's... God, I, don't, I, I don't know how, how they'll reposition themselves, and clearly they haven't shown that they can, so I'm not worried. They hate us because they ain't us.
2: <laughs> well, we're also talking about a signing here of a guy who played two games at Torino in his last season to play. So this man really hasn't stepped onto the pitch, uh, I don't think at all, in the 2016 calendar year. He may have maybe one appearance in 2016 altogether. Um, you know, there's going to be rust there. Do I think he's going to play – Saturday? I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think he's going to be in shape. I don't think that Fort Lauderdale strikers are dumb enough to trot him out. um It would be a bad move on their part uh, strategically, but you know what? Hey, guys, if you're listening and you want to make bad moves, bring him out, dude. He's just going to get outworked, out-hustled, and we're going to show again why Miami FC is doing it the right way. We're not going out there. We're not signing 36-year-old veterans from Serie A. We're getting guys, yes, from overseas, but we're getting guys younger age who are committed to the philosophy, who are going to pay dividends for this team in the future, not just a bandage for a lost season for the Fort Lauderdale strikers.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what Fort Lauderdale attempts to do uh, Saturday uh, on the field and, and, and with its lineup. Um before we move on from the game, do you want to let people know who maybe aren't already going, although if you're listening and you're not planning on going to this game, what are you doing? Um, there are Thundersticks, and mm-hmm. t- talking about Miami FC promotions, first 5,000 fans get Thundersticks so it will be nice and loud. Uh, that will be exciting. Uh, Miami FC does have happy hour. This is not new, but it's something worth noting. Between 7 and 7 45, $3 beers, $2 hot dog and soda combos. Uh, that's a heck of a deal, especially if you're going out with the family. Good deal on the tickets and a good deal on the food. And they have pre-match entertainment, music, and human foosball. Uh, human foosball, what does that entail? Because that's not, that's not the, the, the big... Wait, no,
1: that's not a locker ball. Paid by, were you paid by Miami FC to just say that whole thing? That sounded way too professional.
0: I can neither confirm nor deny where I may or may not have received money from. Uh, no, I want to. I want to pump up this game, man. I want to let people know what's going on. I am looking at the website. Uh, you know, they put it out there, so I'm going to put it out there. But I, I really want. I, what does Cuban foosball entail? Because from what I know from foosball, the the players have giant metal rods stuck straight through them. So it seems like that's a real liability for the team. I, that's just me.
2: <laughs> Listen, John Lennon. You tell that Miami FC Yoko Ono, they're going to break up the band if they keep meddling with you. <laughs> so. Um,
0: so anyway, we'll we'll leave that uh, where it lies for now. Uh, we'll come back to that game next week. Um, I do want to mention uh, before we uh, get on out of here, there is other soccer news happening around the world. Two big stories I want to discuss. Uh, first, we did discuss the Olympics earlier. Uh, the we are recording this on Tuesday night. The U.S. Women's National Team just finished their game against Colombia, a thrilling 2-2 draw, uh, as someone who is very proudly American, but married to a very proud Colombian-American. Uh, I think this is probably the best result for my overall health and fitness, especially <laughs> considering my FC, uh, My FC, the U.S. Women's National Team did win the group anyway, so it kind of didn't matter, um, but it's kind of interesting to watch the team. The Women's National Team have been a juggernaut in the sport uh, for a long time, but especially over the last three, four years, Um, they're heading in the group stage. Not super convincing, even though they did win the group. Uh, What do you guys think? What do you expect out of the women's national team heading into the group stage?
2: I mean, look, the expectations are always high when we're talking about this group. This is a group that's won three World Cups in the last, what, 1999 was the first one, 17 years quick. Um, We're talking about a team that has quickly assimilated to being one of the top names in United States soccer with this women's national side. Um, I wouldn't say unconvincingly. I think you walk away with a draw from a lowly Columbia team, but we also saw a roster that had Megan Rapinoe play the first 32 minutes coming off an ACL surgery. About three other changes for players that don't normally get game time. They're not normally in the starting 11. Um, they took care of business against France 1-0. They dominated New Zealand in the first game of the group play. This is a team that's going in. They know what they needed to get done. They did not need to earn all three points tonight. If they did have to earn all three points tonight, I promise you it probably would have gotten done right away. Uh, the United States still does not know who they play on Friday, which will be the first uh, match of quarterfinals play. So uh, it's still TBD to be determined. And I think that United States are going to be in the championship game. I think anything short of that is definitely a failure. They know that. The states knows that. The rowdy group of American Outlaws know that. We all know that.
1: Yeah, I thought the the game was pretty good. Uh, Hope Solo looked pretty sketchy, um, at least on the first goal. The second goal wasn't her fault. But um, at the same time, uh, I was very uh, saddened by the fact that she had the cupping marks. As uh, <laughs> as shown as uh, the man who looks like he's wearing a polka dotted bodysuit, Michael Phelps. Uh, Hope Solo had a couple. Yeah, well, i you're you're a soccer goalie. You know, I appreciate you trying to get the uh, advantage. But how much blood flow do you need standing there for ninety percent of the game? Um. They, they do look strong. I, I hope they win it. All I want to say is, uh, Ali Krieger, if you're listening, uh, my Twitter is at it's Hausman, LOL. houseman <laughs> with no E. And uh, that's all I'll say about the Olympics.
0: Okay. Rightly noted. Although I do want to say, <laughs> so I want to clarify your position, Drew. Are you militantly anti-cupping or specifically for people who you don't think need it? I, I think that deserves to be uh, clarified.
1: Oh, specifically don't think need it. Like, I, I think the whole idea is stupid, but if you really think it gives you an advantage because it it helps the blood flow, go for it. But if you're a a goalie, don't see it. I just don't see that.
2: So what's stupider in your opinion? KT tape or the cupping?
1: Cupping. Oh, cupping for sure.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I'm gonna go cupping on that
2: too. Especially
1: this. for a go- especially for a goalie.
0: Okay, so we've we've fairly fleshed that out. Drew anti cupping only for goalies and other athletes that don't probably don't need it. Uh, anyway, so we'll we're very excited about that, surely. Uh, I I agree with Omar, I think getting to the the final is most definitely the bottom of the expectations barrel. Anything that's not that is going to be a massive disappointment, and it's a testament to how well, um, the U.S. women's national team uh, has done, uh, over the years and especially recently. Um, Yeah, they've got to be shooting for gold. Um, Let's uh, wrap it up. I do want to discuss one thing to wrap up, and it is not Miami FC-related, and it is not Olympics-related, but we are heading into the teeth of the European club soccer schedule, and I think we have a good, healthy mix of of uh, european soccer fans here which by that i mean we're all going to start fighting in about five minutes because i brought this oh up.
1: man you guys all fucking suck
0: <laughs> but i do want to ask drew omar and then i will conclude i guess uh what do you see from the european soccer season i think specifically i might be asking about the barclays premier league so i think we all have very uh powerful allegiances there uh drew what do you expect
1: um i'm an arsenal fan that's why I'm talking real slow and sad right now. <laughs> we open the league against Liverpool on Sunday. We don't have a center back. We're not going to spend money on a center back. But we'll still come in second and beat Tottenham and get to the round of 16 <laughs> of Champions League. And that's my view on how we'll do.
0: <laughs> Nick Nunez just stopped listening to the podcast, if he's listening. <laughs> uh, so Omar, what do you think? Happy St. Tottenham's Day, Nick <laughs> Omar, what do you think?
2: Oh man, I don't know which jersey to buy first That is such a difficult question Because you know there's Zlatan on one hand And then last night we found out there's Paul Pogba on the other hand Wait, then what? We got, then we Manchester got Makita Ryan in Paul the middle Pogba? I had no idea And then we got Makita Ryan in the middle and he He's an Orlando it,
1: fan, of course. He loves Disney World.
2: Then, <laughs> then we still delusional got, you know,
1: fantasies.
2: <laughs> hater, hater. No, so I think it's going to be a solid season. I've been telling everybody who I speak with uh, regularly regarding British soccer or the EPL or the BPL, whatever you want to call it, the Prem, as you should not call it. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a hard press season if United does not walk away top of the table, does not walk away with the FA Cup, does not walk away. With at least a finals appearance in the Europa League, I think it's a season lost. There's high, there are definitely high expectations. We are not in the Champions League tournament this year. Thank you, Louis Van Gaal. I'm glad the door <laughs> hit you with the good Lord Splitter. Um, and I think it's really important uh, to realize that this might be a good chance for trouble light, as I've been calling it. It's not the trouble because it's not the Champions League. It's definitely the trouble light, trouble 2.5. Um, but yeah, no, definitely high expectations. Anything short of top of the table, anything short of an FA Cup final, anything short of a Europa League final. Uh, granted, that's if everybody stays healthy, of course. Um, you know, we got to have a strong showing. you got to be healthy. It's a long season. The Premier League script writers are hard at work already trying to figure out how to make this an interesting season because whoever doesn't have Manchester United finishing top of the table right now is, uh, yeah, you're, you're a little... You're a little out there. You're a little on Cloud9 hoping your team can beat us, that's for sure.
0: All right, so I guess uh, I, I will be the one to directly respond to that then and kind of address my team as well. I'm a Liverpool supporter. Um, shout, out to, <laughs> shout out to Mitchell. Shout uh, out to Primo. Always, uh, walk alone.
2: always walk alone, my friend. Always walk alone. So uh, I,
0: just, <laughs> I just got my, uh, my official supporters group a package in the mail. Very happy, very excited to head in to uh, the Emirates on Sunday and match up against the aforementioned Arsenal. Um, I will say, in terms of looking forward to the season, I think I am contractually obligated as a Liverpool fan to say this is our year. It's finally our year. Uh, But in reality, (laughs) I think that, unfortunately, this season will be a kind of return to form uh, in the Premier League, uh, which maybe would normally benefit Liverpool, but I, I don't even see it that way. I think that there will be a a clutter towards the top of familiar names. And after last year's uh, move by Leicester City uh, and Tottenham, even though they did collapse at the end, uh, and Arsenal did take their traditional second-place spot, um, I think it will be a lot of big names. Now, I will say uh, that is, Omar, perhaps the most Manchester United-y thing I've ever heard, that with a new manager and a bunch of new signings, that the, the, the goals are top of the league, FA Cup, and Europa League. I I think there will be some gelling issues, especially considering the reputation that uh, Jose Mourinho has sometimes to be a little bit uh, abrasive. Uh, I I think we've seen that go very well, and we've seen it go badly. Uh, And so I I definitely want to wait at least a month to see what's going to happen with that squad. As for everyone else, I think Liverpool had a good summer, not a great summer, uh, but I think they have... Uh, They're starting to emerge more in the the vision that Jurgen Klopp has, uh, which I think is positive. Uh, I think we're going to clear out some dead wood that we have and, and let other players get opportunities elsewhere where they need it. And I think you're starting to see, instead of a team and again, I, I, sound, I sound annoying when I say this, and I know I sound annoying, but a team that's built instead of just being bought. And I know that is the refrain oh, of... Oh, I know that is the okay. refrain of teams... Me, that do, hold on, bad. hold that's on. That's very
1: annoying. That's very annoying. I
0: know. I know. Here's what I mean by that. I'm not saying that, oh, I'm annoyed by teams that have money. Liverpool has plenty of money, and they're buying lots of players. I get it. What I mean by it is that there is a very clear vision in place, and... It, Jurgen Klopp is he's he has not managed you know Bayern Munich he has not managed Real Madrid he 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 built Dortmund Dortmund was a good team uh, who had fallen in hard times and rebuilt it in his image Mainz was was nothing but 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 he did that with Dortmund uh, and I think he has the same idea here and I think ultimately it's the vision that the ownership has. I think it's what he has in mind. I think that's. I think it's a positive way to do it. It is not the only way to do it, and I'm well aware that in European soccer, <sighs> money wins. But uh, I and in Liverpool, I money is spent. I'm not saying it as the guy that oh the big clubs have the big money. I don't mean it like that. I mean that there is an actual. I like that there is a blueprint in place and it's being executed. Long term. Anyway.
2: You done, are you done yet? you done yet? So I, let's go I, ahead and debunk that very quickly. Okay, very here we funny. go. You, very funny you went ahead and said it's a team that's been built and not bought. I clearly qualified you, it, Omar. You, you know went what ahead it and, You went ahead and sold Jordan Ibe, who was somebody you built, and then you went ahead and sold Joe Allen. Fantastic. Oh, you only spent 34 million pounds on signing money. So let, and you also went out and got one So let's not sit here and pretend... This is a team that's not spending money and it's not a team that's not buying players and it's a team that's been built and not bought. Air quotes, no, no. And you want to talk about gelling issues? Let's talk about gelling issues. Manchester United has played two games, uh, recently once against Borussia Dortmund. If I'm no, was it Borussia Dortmund? I can't remember who the last game was against. I know it was against Leicester for the Community Shield on Saturday. I cannot remember who they played against previously before that, but. Slotton makes his first appearance, scores inside three minutes. Slotin plays the full ninety minutes in the second game, gets the game-winning goal. All right, offside. Cool. Guess what? Offside. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was as much as offsides. Irrelevant game. Yeah. Well, still, <laughs> doesn't matter. So NASL you know what? preseason. Super salt. Super salt on both. Should have been guys. playing it's Miami fine. FC. S- Super salt, super salt, both of you guys. Either way, this is a team that won't have gelling issues. This is going to be a team that's going to hit the ground running. I literally think the season will be over by March. It'll be locked up. It'll be over with. The last two months will be erroneous. You guys can go have fun fighting for second through fourth. It doesn't matter because guess what, baby? United's at the top of the table again, right where they belong. The Busby boys are here to play. The Busby boys are here to stay.
0: Uh, I'm going to uh, right now pull up freezing cold takes on Twitter and send them the contents of this podcast so they have it on reference for next March just in case things don't go as you anticipate. I don't know if I even disagree with you, Omar. I just think that, that there whenever we think teams have a lock on it, sometimes things go a little squirrely. Um, so, yeah, let's leave it there before we all start going I'll, at each other's. I'll
1: take a final... Uh, go ahead. Go I ahead, want Ruiz. a final volley back. Yeah. Arsenal has money, but we only spend it every three years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's and look like, where that gets you. Yeah. It's like a presidential election thing, you know. It's it's only yeah. it's or actually it's the Olympics, like like just like the Olympics. They <laughs> only appear every so now and then. Yeah. It's a big deal, uh, but people sometimes wish. Oh man, there was more. I wish there was a little
2: more. Um, no, so, and very quickly. Do you think the team will get better after an Arsene Wenger retires, or do you think that's going to be a situation where when he goes,
1: like we saw with United with Alex Ferguson, the team is going to stutter a little bit? Um, I, I think they'll stutter, uh, everybody wants him out, but I think there is going to be, uh, some, some great there, there won't be a couple St. Tottenham's day after he leaves.
0: We <laughs> will miss a few holidays. <laughs> I, you know, I, uh, commenting is I guess a neutral on this cause I don't particularly dislike Arsenal there. Uh, and I, lo- I like Arsene Wenger's general style. Uh, I, I do think that, that it is hard to maintain that level of very good soccer and I can tell you this as a Liverpool fan that you know you don't know how good you have it until the rug gets pulled out of uh, from under you, and all of a sudden Roy Hodgson is your manager, and everything's going pear shaped. Uh, so and Brendan uh, Rogers. yes, the P. Oh P. So yeah. So anyway, now I'm gonna go and pour myself a drink and get sad thinking about Roy Hodgson, Liverpool manager. Um, So let's let's wrap this shit. up. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's wrap it up. I
1: would like to thank uh, Richie Ryan for bringing his crippled Irish self to our watch party. We had a great time with him and his leg cast. Uh, He was very kind to take photos with all of us. And I would like to say I am looking forward to the three points this weekend.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, I do want to say good on the team. I know we said this before. But the the outreach efforts are getting better, and I think we do a good job of complaining and a bad job of tipping our caps sometimes as fans. And I think they're doing a really good job on the outreach, and I think the players are taking initiative on it. And, and yeah, I think that's great. And, um, yeah, let's end on a high note. Uh, Omar, thank you very much, sir. Uh,
2: Good luck this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. At least we can say that we're not all Chelsea fans, which is nice. Yeah, we got that going for yeah, us. Yeah. So, you That's know. a good podcast. Yeah. That's a solid podcast. Yes. <laughs> Drew, thank you, sir.
1: Thank you, Ben. Uh, follow me on Twitter at It'sHousemanLOL without the E.
2: You can follow Mr. Mubayet
1: on Twitter at
2: Mubayet11. If you need help spelling, it, guess what, man? You're out of luck.
0: <laughs> just go to our uh, Magic City Soccer Twitter page. We follow him. He follows us. So just keep an eye out for something that looks like Mubayet, and I think you'll find what you need. Uh, as for me, I'm at Matthew S. Bunch, and our podcast is at Magic City Soccer. Uh, that'll do it for now. Uh, we will talk to you next week, hopefully after another three points after we beat the dreaded uh, Fort Lauderdale Strikers. For Omar and Drew, I'm Matthew, and that sound means it's time for us that to go. That worked out perfectly. <laughs> Until next <laughs> week, go Miami FC and go Miami Soccer. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.